Welcome back to ES3N, the Essential Sports Network, hosted by three essential workers. My name is Chris Leopold. With me, as always, are my partner in crime, Richie Dennell, and of course, Mark Helio Atkins. And yes, that's right. I intentionally butchered your name, Richie. That's what you get for testing me. And I'm going to jump right into my favorite subject here, the MLB. And I'm going to start off with Richie. Well, I know normally focusing on hometown kids is your thing. Today, I cannot step away. Adam Brett Walker II wins the American Association MVP. He's an outfielder for the Milwaukee Milkmen, league in the league in home runs. How long before we see this guy in a major league uniform? Um, I would love to see him go back to the majors. Um, he has extensive minor league career. Uh, he spent seven, eight years traveling through the minors. Um, I don't know if he gets back to the majors this year would be the year to do it with the COVID situation. Um, but on top of the MVP, the milkman did clinch the championship tonight. Uh, so shout out to him, MVP trophy championship ring. Uh, no matter what league you play in, no matter what level you are at, that is absolutely the best way to end a season with an MVP trophy and a championship to go with it. Well, when we're talking about ends, we're facing the end of the MLB season here, right? We're watching the standings flip-flop all around here. Alec Mills, help of the Cubs situation, throws a no-hitter against the Brewers and the slumping Christian Yelich. Last game or two aside, not doing anything spectacular this year. Looks like if I'm reading my standings correctly. The Cubs are looking coming in at the number two right now. The Brewers are, you know what, a game and a half out of it is where things stand right now. Again, we'll have to break out the program to find out. Maybe two games. A lot of talent on that Cubs team. You know that's hard for me to say. It's another. It's hard to watch another Cubs pitcher throw a, a no-hitter. More important than that, and certainly on a high note for me, Albert Pujols, right? You know, no loss between me and the Cardinals. Hit number 660 to tie Willie Mays for number five on the all-time home run leaderboard. And I guess, well, folks, where I want to start this conversation at, since Barry Bonds took over Hank Aaron as the home run leaders board, really mean the same thing to you. That's really where I've been focusing my perspective on as I look at the number. And I love I love Albert Pujols as a player. I've had a love-hate relationship for him. I've seen him hit a lot of home runs against the Brewers, being in the same division, having worked for the team in a number of different roles here. Albert Pujols has always been a thorn in our side. It seems like he has earned the name, nickname The Machine. But is it the same? Is he is he worthy of the Willie Mays icon? I got, I got a question for you guys. Just kind of thinking about what's are you saying? I kind of referenced on it last week when we talked about Tom Seaver in the, the year '69 when they dropped the mile down six inches. Don't don't you guys think now that it, the game has transformed to a sport to where they they give the advantage more so to the hitter? They've always tried to take away some of those uh, some of those advantages that, that the pitcher can have. You know how you, how you guys feel about that? Here, here's my thing, and and I've always been a believer of this. And until something changes in either the NFL or the NBA, I am a I shouldn't even say just them. In per, unless something dramatically changes in professional sports. In my opinion, 
the hardest thing to do is to take a round object and hit another round object. That's taking a baseball bat and hitting a ball that not only is being thrown, but also has rotation, spins, and moves. And to me, no matter what type of advantages or whatever you give hitters, whatever you give pitchers, they change the ball. They've done all these things. To me, it is still the hardest thing to do in professional sports because when when you're 30% at something, in anything else, you're a failure. But in baseball, you are among the elite when you succeed 30% of the time. And so to that, advantages or disadvantages, I don't think it matters because baseball will still remain hard to hit. To Chris's question of what you were saying with the home runs, you can say what you want about Barry Bonds, about how he got the record with the Giants. But what people seem to not want to talk about is how elite he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And whether or not he started to juice, whether or not he went from Pittsburgh to San Francisco, I don't care. He was a Hall of Fame player before. He should have been a Hall of Fame player after. Now, when you talk about the changes, like Markili was talking about, are home run numbers going to be skewed? Yes, because the home run numbers in baseball are up across the board. You're going to see more guys like I'm going to use Joey Gallo, who might only be a 230 career hitter, but he's going to hit four or 500 bombs. And so when you look at the home run total, I think the value of guys getting in the Hall of Fame based on home run numbers like Albert Pujols will, I think will start to change. But I think when you look at the home run as a whole, I think you're going to, I think it still carries the same value that it did, whether you look at Barry Bonds as your home run leader or not. So, so I'm going to start here with the one that, that, that sits freshest in the mind here. Barry Bonds in 1991 weighed 185 pounds. You want to guess what he weighed in 2001? 228. And that's the year he hit 73 home runs. Can you do me a favor and tell me how many home runs he hit in 1991? Oh, well, if you want to give me a second to look it up, yes. <laughs> because, because, because to my argument is I get the argument of the juice, but if he's hitting 30 and 40 home runs at 180 pounds, he's, he was already doing it. He hit 25 home runs in 1991 and 73 in 2001. 50 more home runs. He hit... 50 more home runs between his arguably one of his best years in Pittsburgh and now. He was Dolph Lundgren before and he just became the Rocky. He became the Russian or Rocky after. <laughs> no doubt. But when we get back to the home run leaderboard, and I don't want it to focus on Barry Bonds. I mean, I think Pujols did it more legitimate way because he was always kind of big. There wasn't a whole lot of fluctuation in that, unlike uh, Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire, who both, when you start talking about how hard it is to hit a baseball, does the amount of muscle mass that you hit it with really matter? No, but it's the difference between being Barry Bonds and Ichiro Suzuki. And Ichiro Suzuki, one of my all-time favorite hitters, same way that Pete Rose was. But I, I don't think that you could look past it. 
I don't, but I don't want to get too far out of this year, right? We've got a hands full with COVID here. We talk about the playoffs. We talk about the extended playoffs, how our depth, how our players are more important than ever. The A's A's have Chapman, their third baseman, uh, is done for the season. Going to have to have season-ending hip surgery. We're looking at how that affects the overall playoff race. Do you, Richie or Marquilio, think are the A's done or do they have the pieces to fill it up? Yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing that we always look at with Oakland, right? Is they seem to have a couple years, then they fall off. And they have a couple years and they fall off. There was a great movie called Moneyball that was made about how they kind of do their, their operating system there in Oakland. But this time they just haven't fallen off. They seem to find a way to remain at the top. And you you talk about a division that has the cheating Astros coming off of what has been a very good run for them. And yet the A's have just kind of breezed their way to being arguably the best team in the American League. It's one of those things where they kind of plug and play. They've always been that way. Matt Olson, their first baseman's having a god-awful year in terms of hitting. His power numbers are there, but his batting is way down. And yet they're still finding ways to win through pitching, through guys that you've never heard of, finding ways to just be successful when they get their opportunity to get the lineup. I don't know that the A's are done, but but again, it's when you start adding these blows up and you start adding them together, it's hard to say that you have confidence in, in an Oakland versus a New York Yankees. You know, when, when the Yankees continue to try, just roll these guys out like it's going out of style. Right. You want to talk money ball versus money ball on two different levels, right? Yeah, that's right. right. You yeah. want to talk one guy who's trying to do it by the budget, another guy who's trying to do it by blowing the budget. I got to think. I, I, what about the Tampa Bay Rays this year, guys? The right, you know, I mean, dude, the Rays, I think we're going to, I think when we start getting into that, we're going to think about how the bubble's going to affect a lot of things. And, and that's really one of those things I'm, I'm ready to get, you know, I think you brought it up just at the right time here, man. The MLB just officially agreed to the terms of the bubble for the playoffs, right? I think they're looking for a little more certainty than they got out of the season. We had a number of teams who went down. You talk about Miami. Uh, the Marlins had a lot of problems earlier on. Uh, St. Louis had a lot of problems. Uh, we're seeing them playing a lot of games as a result of that. But we're watching a season that's already been short. But they're talking about modifying the protocols. And, of course, the big sticking point that clearly the Players Association voted on and MLB managed to get on the same page with were really about the reservations they had about leaving their families for a month at a time and how the league kind of blocked at the logistic hurdles. They were kind of like, hey, you want to have a playoff this season? This is the way we're going to have it. We've already watched the commissioner of baseball kind of cave a little bit, right? He didn't think that we were going to have a season at all. He laid it to the Players Association that it was going to be either a all or nothing. If you want to play more than 60 games, we're not going to play a season at all. You get on my boat, we'll play less than 60. And then we'll talk about a playoff scenario. They're now talking about, and I believe that they've confirmed the the bubble leagues, right? We're seeing a lot of domes in that scenario. Uh, like Globe Life Field, right? In Arlington, Texas. Looks like one of them. 
that that's the only dome. But what they've basically done is they've they've hugged the Dallas Fort Worth area, um, and well, essentially Texas. A lot of fields there. Yeah. So so Texas, they're they're hubbing, and California, they're hubbing. So the Padres and I believe it's the Angels fields are being used, and then the Rangers and the Astros fields are are being used. Sure, a lot of places we're hopeful to have warm weather in October and are capable of hosting some fans. I think it's funny, and I, and I want to kind of stick on this note because I want to look at Rogers, right? The Minnesota relief pitcher, when asked about this because a number of Minnesota players were against the bubble. And my favorite quote from Rogers here is, we've proven ourselves compliant this far, and I think we've proven we can be adults about this season. And when I heard that quote, when I read that quote, I laughed. I laughed out loud. I chuckled, my friends, a full belly chuckle that a man of my stature is capable of echoing out, much like Santa, because I thought of the two Indian pitchers who thought they knew better than the MLB protocols and decided that they hadn't really violated the team's leagues by going out and hanging out with family members who are doctors, nurses, or health professionals who assured them that they'd be okay. And I got to wonder, had the MLB not pushed the issue of the bubble, would we still be even talking playoff baseball? No, they they knew, they knew that they had to present the bubble because they saw the success in the NHL and in, the, in basketball, so... They had to, it was already kind of a smear campaign, how things got started, how it was shorter season, for them not to get ahead of the curve and try to at least be proactively making sure that they are protecting the players would just be, it would be asinine. Like, you got you got to put something together. You have to figure it out. It's been proven to put them in a bubble and put them in a controlled environment is what works by leaving the door open for the accountability to just be on the player and not a controlled environment, you have the situations that you just spoke of right now. So it had to be figured out. Some Someone had to make a decision because the decisions weren't made initially. <laughs> and we had the breakouts that we had. So this only makes sense. If they want to have a successful postseason, this is what it's going to look like and this is what it's going to consist of. I'm glad that they broke it down into what what is like six stadiums. That they're, that they're playing in? Uh, four. 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 I, think, I think it's four. But let's talk about where some of those matchups, the way they're looking out. All right. It's looking like the White Sox are going to take number one of the American League, right? Going to end up playing Cleveland. Markelia, you talked about the number two Rays. Looked like they're going to be playing the Blue Jays really on a health movement, I feel. Those guys are going to be competitors for years to come. The Athletics are going to finish three. The Astros at six as things stand. Then it looks like Twins, Yankees. I'm almost surprised that the Yankees are ranked number five. I thought they had a lot more talent than that. You cross over to the National League, there's not a whole lot of, uh, of differences uh, from year to year there. It's going to be Dodgers, Giants, Cubs, Phillies, Braves, Reds, Padres, Marlins as it stands. Uh, we've got a lot of teams who are still in the hunt here. Right, you know, I mean, the American League, not so much. It's like the Mariners, the Orioles, the Tigers are all about four, four and a half games out. Whereas the National Leagues, the Cards are only like a half game back. The Brewers are a couple games back. The Rockies, the same. Mets are about two and a half. 
I'm sure it's a real convoluted playoff picture at this point. Eddie, way too early picks for the World Series here. The one, the one team that you talk about kind of being the most complete, I think when you look at the American League, they had their hiccups. They had the guys that, that made the decisions to do what they did. But when you look at the lineup and you look at the pitching, especially Chris, and you know this, when playoff baseball starts, pitching rotations get shorter. And the more the Cleveland Indians can walk Shane Bieber out to that mound, the chances of them winning go up, no matter who they're playing. And so I think you have to, even though the White Sox are going to win the division and have already clinched their spot, I think you have to worry about Cleveland. I think you have to worry about their their young lineup. I think you have to worry about the the pitching depth, uh, and they have a very good bullpen. From the other side of things, um, I, I pretty much want to pick anybody but the Cubs. <laughs> I don't want to put that in the atmosphere, uh, but but I'll say I think it's time they should have won it the last two years and didn't. But I think I mean you look at it top to bottom, it's hard to go against. The Dodgers, but I would not mind seeing the young San Diego Padres back in the news again, making some waves and showing what what they can do because they've been at the bottom for for basically what has been the last decade. Yeah, that's that's what I'm excited with seeing. I know I've spoken about that a couple times once we start talking about baseball. Just the the excitement that the Padres bring makes a Someone like me that hasn't been watching baseball become excited when I see the energy of a Tatis Jr. and, and, and just kind of see what's going on with that team, period, and just the, the moves that they've made within the last couple of weeks. So I'm really excited because everyone just assumed that it was going to be the Dodgers season. You know, and everyone was upset when the season wasn't going to happen because the trade that came over for best. Everyone expected the Dodgers to be who they are. So it would be great to see the Cinderella team of the Padres come. And, you know, I feel good about the Padres because, Chris, we was in San Diego uh, last year. You mentioned about going to the stadium and just having an opportunity. I feel that something special was going on with that team right now. Well, and I'll tell you here, there are parts of all of those conversations I agree with. The American League, certainly the White Sox, are set up to walk away with it. Cleveland's a great team to talk about. But man, I don't think you can count out the Blue Jays or the Yankees. I'm going to go the Blue Jays over the Yankees just because of the amount of talent the Blue Jays have, a lot of that young, controllable talent. I think if somebody's going to upset the White Sox in this division, it's going to be the Blue Jays. The National League is really less of a mystery to me. It's going to be the Dodgers. It's going to be the Dodgers. I know a lot of people go, but why? You can't have Mookie Betts. You can't have Clayton Kershaw. You can't have Zach Cranky. You can't have Turner. You can't have all these guys and not expect to be the number one team, not expect to be the favorite for this. If I'm going to go for a dark horse, and you know, you're, you talk about how we were in San Diego last week, we saw the Padres, and you know what? We... What I saw there, Mark Helio, was the Padres did not convince me that they were ready to be that team. Not last year, not this year, and I don't care how much Tatis has put them on their shoulders and decided to walk off into the sunset. 
I think if anybody's going to have a shot at upsetting the Dodgers, that it's going to be the Braves this year. The Braves every year and almost consistently for the last three or four years have assembled the team that you, everybody's had to look at and kind of gone, oh, man. You know, I mean, if you could make an argument against the Braves, I'm willing to listen to it. But there's not a whole lot of argument there. It's, I think it's going to be Braves-Dodgers. I think the Dodgers going to take it. I think the American League is more of a question mark because I think there are some more dark horses in it. But I'm going to go White Sox-Dodgers, World Series are my early call. And with that, I want to move over to our not-so-early call, the NBA playoffs. All right. So you were talking about not being able to go against uh, the Braves. And, and one thing that's been controversial, and a lot of people have been going up against is some of these awards that's been handed out in the NBA. And uh, there, there's been a couple of people that's been upset about some of these new accolades and awards that's coming out. So we got the NBA first team, guys, which I think everybody kind of agreed on and you know, it was given. We got James Harden, Luka Doncic. Even though some people might say Luka might be, but Giannis, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. That's pretty, pretty agreeable. First, first team. How you guys feel about that? Yeah, I mean, if if I was gonna pick five guys, uh, that's probably who I would pick. The only, if I were to make a change, the only change I would possibly look at making would be probably maybe Leonard up to Harden's spot flip-flopping that just because of what Leonard does defensively be the only change I would make. But otherwise, I mean, those are the five names you think of when you think of the top five players in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, I'm about to say it, it, it's absolutely almost impossible to argue. Let's put it this way. If you had a fantasy basketball team together right now, would you complain about that five? Not at all. Right. right. Not at all. It's hard to argue against that. I possibly, the one, one of the things I mentioned to and I alluded to was Luca. Maybe does a switch with Damian Lillard. You know what I'm saying? I, I, if I was starting a team, I might take, it, it just depends on if I'm looking for the facilitator, the faster, the consummate point guard, or if I'm looking for someone that's like a like killer, you know? Someone's going to go in there and give you 30 points, and, you know, it just kind of depends. Right, right. And, and yeah. That's an argument in its own as to who you would rather have. But I think for this year, what we've seen out of Luka and what he was able to propel Dallas to probably gives him that that nudge over Dame, being that Dame does have some other counterparts with him that probably dip into his numbers a little bit more so than Luka. Yeah, still got the unicorn there. But yeah, I agree, though. I mean, I think that that NBA first team was pretty much a given. Now, we got the second team with Damian Lillard, as I just spoke of, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, and the Joker, Nikolai Jovic. What do you guys think about that? There's one change I would immediately make. Chris, you look like you you have some, some changes that you would make as well. I have a hard time looking at this list and saying that, Again, this is not to take away from what anybody's done this year, but you have Jimmy Butler behind Siakam. And that could maybe have to do with games played, where before the bubble happened, Jimmy Butler you know, battled some injuries. And you, you look at some things like that. But, and 
I'm not even going to bring this up on the third team. I'm going to go straight to the second team. The fact that Bradley Beal is nowhere to be found on any one of these teams, he is at least deserving of a second team when you look at what he did this year for the Wizards. And again, not to take away from Siakam, but I am just having a hard time. He, he is the sore thumb of the five for me. Well, and for me, I, I, you bring up Jimmy Butler, and that's how he does You know, his exclusion from first team under considering the names and that they don't really conclude the playoffs and yada, yada, yada. Second team to, I mean, that's a snub. That's a snub. Dude, Jimmy Butler, you got to put Chris Paul. And then we get to Leonard, man, and I just got to go. A guy like Leonard, a guy who, if I remember the story correct, when being down in the playoffs and his coach is talking about how he used to coach in the D League and his team came back and beat this, blah, blah, blah. And Leonard went, you're talking about the D League right now? Leonard's going to put this as a chip. He's going to set it on his shoulder. And I'm a little scared of what LA is going to do coming back healthy next year. But Butler, to me, is a glaring oversight altogether. If you didn't put him in the first team, but I could understand why I wouldn't have. But in the second team, you overlook him. And you're looking at the Joker, Leonard, Leonard Paul. I mean, that certainly he's better than one of the five of those. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I'll jump right to it. You guys kind of alluded on some of the things, you know, as far as like the Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill had an amazing season. My One of my issues was I really thought that Devin Booker was going to get on that third team, too. I thought Devin Booker had a really good season. I always think he kind of gets shafted just because the Phoenix Suns and where they are. However, he still had a possibility of even making it into the playoffs. And I just, I don't know why Devin Booker and Bradley Bill aren't respected the way they should. But I tell you what, uh, if, if the Milwaukee Bucks get a chance to get Devin Booker, they need to, they need to get him. Put everybody around Giannis and Devin Booker and exchange, exchange everybody else no on that team. No. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I agree with you. I think when, when you look at the names off, you start with Devin Booker, you, you look at Bradley Beal, um, you know, some, some players were open about possibility of Trey Young, you know, being a, a snub on that list. And, and the hard part right now is the way that the league has kind of gone. The league right now is very guard heavy compared to centers and forwards. And so you're going to get more guards who are probably deserving and you're pulling teeth for big men. The one that stuck out to me and a friend of mine reached out to me today, who's a Celtics fan. And he flat out said, he goes, I, I'm not understanding what the voters are seeing. He goes, if I had a vote, Tatum would not have been made my, my all team. He's like, I, I'm not sure what it is that got him there. He, he just didn't seem to have that type of year, according to a friend of mine. But you look at some of these, and, and I think when you start to get to that third team, they, they put more stock in winning. And unfortunately, when you, the Suns were eliminated, the Wizards were eliminated, and the Hawks never even made it to the bubble. You know, And so you talk about the top three snubs of the guards, the chances are you're going to take a Russell Westbrook who 
made it to the second round of the playoffs. You're going to take a, a Ben Simmons, uh, even though he got hurt there at the end. And, and I think one of the unfortunate things about this list is that they didn't include the bubble. And I think had they have included the bubble, I think Devin Booker would have made it. Uh, but all the NBA awards were voted on back in March, not knowing if they were going to be able to restart the season. Yeah, I would even gave Donovan Mitchell third team, possibly. And he was another shocker to me. Yeah, he had, he had a great season as well. So I know you just talked about Tatum, and I guess we might as well get to it. We got the, we got the NBA Conference Finals now, and we got the Eastern Conference. We got Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Miami Heat is up one, one game. Two. They closed out the win against uh, the Celtics while we were recording here. Oh, they got the win? 106-101. Oh, so 1-1. One, one. Yeah. But I, I guess... The, two oh. Oh, yeah, okay. Two well, oh, so Miami got the win tonight? Two Miami two got the win tonight. 106-101. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Correct. Yeah, and, and I guess I, I can't really talk on how they got the W the first game, but just to kind of kick it off, I know you had mentioned about Jason Tatum, and something just kind of stuck out to me about this series, guys. Games are decided within the last six to seven plays, you know, of a game. You kind of tell how the momentum shifts. And Boston had a lead going into the end of the first game. They should have won that game. But what stood out to me was the approaches of the stars on the team. We had Jason Tatum that last four shots was fadeaways or they were step-back three-point shots until he actually decided to take the ball to the bucket but not strong enough and get it rejected. But if you've noticed, those six shots that he took were, were so bad, but Jimmy Butler came back and he took the aggressive play and made contact and got the three-point play to send him up by one. So you can just tell the different styles. And one thing that came to me was the JUCO mentality that was brought up. Uh, I think I was reading an article and they were talking about how Jay Crowder and Jimmy Butler came from JUCO colleges. And you can just kind of see that tenacity and, and see that effort that they put into it and, and their, their ability to go for the contact. Whereas you have Jason, hey, Jason Tatum that's sitting here trying to get away from the contact, trying to be elusive and step back where some of those shots you got to get that foul you got to try to make those veteran crafty decisions to get you a point because they Kimball Walker was the only person that was getting them points at clutch time Jalen Brown got a good tip back but uh, taking off the dribble was only Kimball Walker so either you get the ball to Kimball Walker your hot man or you know Jason Tatum should have probably took the ball to the bucket three plays before because you, you got to know as, as a final play of the game and there's five seconds left, you got to know that they're not going to let you get an easy dunk. Someone's going to come from somewhere, the angle that you're taking. Because you're thinking it's that easy that you're going to be able to dunk that ball in and you get it rejected. So it's just a young, a, a young team going to get some crafty Juco vets, man, that, that's hungry and got some young, some young shooters on the team in Tyler Hero and, and Duncan Robinson. And, you know, it's, it's, hey, man, it's tough. And you guys just told me it's up to? Uh, I don't know what you guys thinking. I did not get to see tonight's game, so I'm not sure what Miami did tonight to pull that W out. But I did watch game one. And and much like you mentioned, you know, the, the two things that, that I took away was you, you talked about the dribbling in one spot. 
right? They do all these these crossovers, and and for what it's worth, and, and then they don't go anywhere. So they're basically what we like to call killing grass, right? As a football term, is you're doing all this footwork, but you're not covering any ground. So you're really just only you're killing grass, right? And so my thing is Boston had the lead going in late. And they did it to themselves because they more or less, to me, like you, you talk about, well, this team didn't necessarily win, but this team lost. And that's how I kind of looked at game one was that Miami, although they did fight, they came back, they, they did all the things that you talked about. Boston lost this game. You talk about Tatum, you talk about Kimba. Well, who's going to have the ice in their veins? Tatum had a shot at the end of regulation, missed it. Kemba had a layup at the basket to keep it within range in overtime, point blank at the rim, tricked it. Somebody has to be able to make a shot for them to take that next step, and I don't know who it is. And the other thing, too, that I hate about the game of basketball, unless there is less than 24 seconds left in the game, meaning that there is going to only be one shot or the clock is going to run out before the shot clock comes available. A running clock only helps you in the game of football, gentlemen. You cannot just stand and waste clock in the game of basketball in having fouls, two-point shots, three-point shots, and you have the opportunity to score points when the clock is not running. You cannot stand in one spot and dribble and hope that, okay, if we waste enough time, we may be able to keep this lead because the game of basketball can flip like that. And that is what killed Boston at the end of the game. And now you look at 2-0 deficit in the Eastern Conference Finals. Look, Boston, I'm sorry, but you might as well pack your suitcases because you're going back to Boston. Well, if we move on from there to the Nuggets, baby, and I say the Nuggets only because as I continue to eat crow, because <laughs> I listed the Nuggets as not making it past the Jazz. Just had the Clippers, they're going home tickets, and are on their way to face the Lakers as we speak. Can the Nuggets get it done against the Lakers? Will they continue to shock the world? No. <laughs> I would, as, as, as badly as I would want to see that, and I'm actually excited because you know I, I, I talk to I talk to my partner in crime, Plaz, a lot of times, and he's like, "Man, no one wants to see this." But I'm actually intrigued with it just because it is the Cinderella story, and as I, everybody knows, I love a good story, you know, good underdog, and that's what we have here. Um, just the fact that. Kawhi and Paul George had to sit in that press conference and talk the way that they did. That that's crazy, man. To see Steve Smith going crazy. <laughs> I mean, it shocked the world, man. But I, I'm oh, for it. right. They were down. What I mean, the Nuggets were down one three, right? Yeah, yeah. They, hey, man. And then Blue, the only guy to have given up that fuck that honor twice. And right? Chris, with all that being said, it means absolutely nothing because <laughs> you won against the Kang, all right? And Anthony Davis, man. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, LeBron is the Jordan of his time, you know. Um, 
the, the championship comes wherever it comes through, wherever he's at uh, or wherever, you know, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry is together, you know, but now, man, it, it's who no one's going to be LeBron, man. You might as well wrap it up and give him the championship. I don't know if we're going to, because if we're going to transition right into making our picks for the finals, I think it's going to be heat Lakers. And I think the Lakers are going to have their hands full. If I've got to, if I've got to go in that scenario, I'm going heat. Well, and to, to kind of what, what you're saying, I, I don't think that the nuggets necessarily have the horses to be able to pull this thing out, but, but the one battle that I want to see, and, and this is going to be great television so for those of you that may not be NBA fans or basketball fans, tune in. Because the reality is, is LeBron is going to get his. Denver does not have anybody that can keep LeBron from getting his. And vice versa for Jamal Murray. The Lakers do not have anybody that is going to prevent Jamal Murray from getting his. But if you want to watch two big men just go to work, this is your series. Because when you talk about Jokic, and you talk about AD, and you talk about footwork, you talk about offensive big men, and you talk about great help defenders, this is going to decide who goes to the finals. If AD can outplay Jokic, Markelio, in your words, the Kang is on his way. If Jokic can show what he has shown, and that is he is the best offensive center in the NBA— and that he is the true underdog in the fact that Portland wanted nothing to do with him. He came to Denver with a chip on his shoulder and got it done. Denver could make some, some noise and can make a lot of people a lot of money if you take the underdog in that series. Um, but I do think, Chris, there's merit to what you're saying when you talk about the scrappiness, the physicality. The shooters, the veteranship of the Miami Heat. If they, you think about this, if they if they sweep Boston, they've lost one game in the playoffs, one, and that was a Giannis Lissa Bucks. They swept the first round. They dropped one in the second, with the possibility of sweeping Boston in the finals. I don't know the last time that somebody did that. Maybe the Cavaliers. I'm about saying no joke. If it happens, I think you're going to end up seeing me in my first ever basketball jersey, and it may be a Miami Heat City jersey, baby. Because I got to tell you, I, I don't know anybody's got the kind of momentum they got right now. We talk about the big mo and what it plays in the moment, and I don't, I, I don't see a lot of people stopping the Heat. The King's the man with the chance. The king is the man with the chance. You know, you know what, what what makes me feel better about that whole situation, though, if Miami goes and wins it, of course, we can say that we lost to the champions. <laughs> what what I like about the possibility of that is you got three Milwaukee ties, baby. Two Marquette grads. No, and no joke. Okay. Uh, we're always, you know, we're always happy to try to elevate the conversation about Wisconsin sports. We get written off a lot as the that state that has uh Winter, four, five months out of the year, makes it hard for us to compete in a lot of sports. Well, here in Wisconsin, we love our indoor sports. And you're going to see more and more competitors coming out of it. 
with that, I think we're going to take this moment to roll into our next break here before we come back with the You Don't Want This Smoke play player of the game. <laughs> 